everyone. Welcome to the next episode of Fully Free with Ashley, the podcast bringing you insights into mental health, wellness, eating disorder recovery, hormonal balance, fitness, and all types of magical topics. Tonight we have a wonderful man named Vince Pitstick from the USA and he is a functional medicine coach with so much experience and so much knowledge and I bet I'm going to have him on the podcast for many more episodes because he's so easy to listen to as well but I've actually had the amazing opportunity to train under him for the last uh, five or six weeks learning about functional medicine uh, as a potential coach so it's been amazing and I connected with him through Instagram actually when I was looking into Uh, PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, and hormonal imbalances commonly associated with uh, elite athletes. And I found that he was a huge voice in the industry for the hormonal imbalances being seen in uh, young women, especially who have been overtraining, whether it's for months, years, and a a long time and developing issues as a result of that. So that's really going to be the focus of this episode. We're going to dive into the types of hormonal imbalances that he often sees in his practice as he now owns a company called Nutrition Dynamic, which is helping people all around the world, um, whatever their goals may be, like losing weight, uh, balancing their hormones. The goal isn't weight loss ever. Weight gain in an unhealthy way is seen as a symptom of a deeper systemic imbalance. And Vince really believes in getting to the root cause and helping people live to their fullest lives through healing. So I'm so fortunate. We're all so fortunate that we get to listen and get some insights with him tonight. So I'm super excited and he'll just take a few moments now to introduce himself. Okay, here's Vince with a little introduction. Hey, Vince. Um, how you doing? <laughs> hey. Um, yes, I'm Vince Pitstick, um, owner and founder of Nutrition Dynamic, one of the largest health coaching companies in the United States, probably the world. And um, I'm a nutritional therapist. Um prep coach, um, but my primary work these days focuses on functional nutrition, and uh, I got my start about 15 years ago, uh, like most people, um, working with, you know, personal training, um, competition nutrition just started becoming, like, popular a couple years before I got into fitness. Um, and then it just so happens that there was a medical office in conjunction with the, the uh, gym that I was uh, working with, and uh, they, were, they were doing these things with hormones and some things with nutrition. And that's when I started taking a deep dive, and we started working together on different uh, patients for the office. And then also my, I started working with a lot of athletes at the time. So I was seeing the, the difference between you know what's going on with the you – know, obese individual versus the athlete at the cellular like what is it because you can very obvious at the time there was something off so that journey eventually led me to working as a functional consultant uh, with uh, metagenics um, which is one of the largest um, like supplement functional educational companies that exist in the United States and they're global now um, but I got a lot of training I rubbed shoulders with a lot of practitioners that that then educated me and, and brought in that, that next step of how to blend nutritional fitness principles and functional medicine principles together and make something that, that really could change some lives. And so for a lot of years, I trained a lot of practitioners on some of these tools uh, as a consultant. And uh, then eventually, I think, uh, what, let's see, it's two, it would be 2013. I opened uh, Nutrition Dynamic, and in 2017, then we opened up our own functional supplement line, New Ethics Formulations, and um, so so now we find ourselves here, um, you know, in, uh, in 2020 at a much different place than where I started, that's for sure. Um, I just gave a little, some of the highlights, uh, but um, the journey has been long. Um, going from just basic understanding of what nutrition is all the way to, to now, and now we're, we're focused on um, get spreading the message, getting the education out there, creating impact, and, and most importantly, I think, enhancing um, the industry that is health coaching. I, I see my role and the role of our company 
uh, as one as a coaching incubator and one that helps shift the paradigm of what coaching is, what it should look like uh, for the future, because I do believe uh, health coaching uh, in various forms is the, is the future of health and fitness. Yeah, me too. I love that because even the, like, if you asked me a couple years ago, I would have considered health coaching related more to like fitness and like aesthetics and like looking yeah. a certain way. And now that's totally shifted for me too, because just my own journey and then learning so much about underlying principles of what functional health really is. And I don't think people actually know like what is health coaching. So what would you even like begin to describe health coaching as? So if you were to take a, I guess a, a structured definition uh, my definition obviously is going to be different than some's but some others but a, a health coach is a designated individual that is trained and educated in the areas of lifestyle change health and wellness now again the, what tools a health coach a, a provider picks up can vary some people are mindset. Some people, you know, pick up tools of, like I said before, on functional uh, aspects. Um, some people are going to focus on a specific demographic or they're going to focus a little bit more on maybe the fitness aspect, right? So everyone's process, just like a, like a doctor, maybe a, even though a, you know, a primary care practitioner, they might be getting continually ed in certain areas and be more adept in certain areas. But then, you know, in certain other areas, they're going to, because of, you know, their... Uh, what do, you, what do they call that? Uh, your uh, why, why am I blanking today? I've had a lot going on today. That's but okay. Their, their, you know, their scope of practice. That's mm -hmm. what I was looking for. Their scope of practice. Uh, they're not gonna. They're not gonna work with certain things. And so, it, it is a guide, a trusted guide, that is designated to get you for it out of the place that you're at, and into a successful, mentally and physically positive and healthy in place that's mm -hmm. that's what, what i would say um now again you know my idea is for health coaching me personally it's mind body and spirit where i can tuck spirit in it's mm -hmm. important because if i'm a, if i'm your guide and i leave out something as important as the spirit i'm not sure i've equipped you with all the tools to stay healthy yeah um that being said, that's not everybody, right? So it's different. So again, I, I think my original definition is probably most sound. Mm -hmm. um, no, but I love the spirit part too. I think I really re resonate with that as well. But I mean, not everyone will, but just staying true yeah. to yourself and including that in your process, I think is well, important. You, you pointed out something very important though. In the journey of someone coming to understand what a health coach is, they find themselves at a crossroads with uh, what we call cognitive dissonance with fitness. Um, you find yourself saying things and then doing something else. And the industry does that a lot. It says one thing and then it does something else, mm -hmm. right? It talks about health, but it really sells sex a lot of times, or it sells eating disorders or uh, unhealthy behaviors or reinforces or instills uh, concepts that are contradictory to true happiness and wellness and health. And so in many ways, the fitness industry and the message of fitness gets uh, adulterated and, it, and it's because it technically it's missing some components in my opinion that that really make it what people go to it for people who come to fitness are a particular demographic mm -hmm. and, and I've outlined this a few times they're usually people that uh, have self-confidence issues and they're looking to obtain something usually guidance on how to live their life so you got a lot of people in the fitness industry telling you how to live their to, to live your life, but really all they should be doing is giving you a meal plan. They're not qualified, in my opinion. You know, if you got washboard abs, you know, and 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 you got a lot of followers on Instagram, that's nice. Okay, that's great. But are are you are you really a coach that's been trained in both you know psychological, nutritional? and functional things that bring that together. And I, I always felt it needed to be in one place. I always wanted to make a coach because the medical industry has shown us that when you um, refer out a bunch of stuff, not that some things should be referred out because some things need to be. Yeah. Severe eating disorders, things like that. Like, you know, if you refer out, no one's talking to each other. 
So therapy isn't congruent and no one gets anywhere. Okay, that's the problem. You know, the endocrinologist isn't speaking with the GI doctor, isn't speaking with, you know, no one's congruent. So this mm -hmm. person's getting ping-ponged in this process. And that's why I feel like the true evolution of a health coach is going to have a well-balanced understanding of all those things, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think a lot of people go looking for a way of life and they're asking the wrong people because you're just asking someone that's a personal trainer or a nutritionist and then they're giving you this lifestyle that really long-term is that what's healthy? Well, that's where fitness can be misleading. Yeah. Right? So, I, and then there's a lot of people who are athletes or get just what they were coming from and I get that. But I think people are looking for, they're looking for guidance, leadership, they're looking for help and they're looking for something that's gonna work for them really long-term. They might want those short-term results. They might, instant gratification might be what they're seeing. But when it falls apart on them tw two weeks out from the, you know, the program they were just in, they're going to, you know, then come back and realize the importance and the value of something that can hold or last. Yeah, and something that doesn't drain them but makes them look good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right? So it's one of those things that, you know, the industry is showing us it's incompleteness. Like, Depending on what research you read, 88 to 92% of people lose the weight but then gain it back. Mm -hmm. Okay? So what that shows us is that the goal of fitness is short-term. The goal of fitness is what we call asymptomatology. Okay? The goal of a health coach should be resiliency long-term. That should be the benchmark. Yeah. yeah, I might be able to make you feel good right now and get you into a deep, uh, in a good place. But then I set up your lifestyle they set up your functional health, meaning balance of hormones, adrenals, thyroid, things like that. And then like your mindset, and maybe again, if you're willing to hear it, your spirit, to set you off on a course that's going to keep you that way. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Yeah. And that just kind of leads right into like the, the main topic as we continue. Just like I really wanted to dive into the, the fitness industry and in general and what you see with women in terms of hormonal imbalances from, I guess, a, a multitude of things but like under eating the wrong type of training like what is some of the main things that you've seen so you got classically um and this is where medical research versus fitness research research fails us you got a large portion of the population that is inactive and does overeat okay mm -hmm. they exist it's well documented yeah um, and that's true uh, those individuals um typically uh, will we'll suffer some kind of other inflammatory conditions later on uh, that they're going to have to battle from, from those lifestyle choices. But if they just eat less and move more, some of those people, that's all they needed to do mm -hmm. okay? yeah. for that time. Now, they didn't develop the lifestyle, so we just talked about. So the, I, so the symptom is weight. Weight is not a disease. I didn't wake up one morning and go, I got weight diabetes. <laughs> because it doesn't exist. Yeah. Right? Okay. It, you have a series of conditions that led to weight gain. So in my opinion, the difference to, to redefine what a personal trainer, a nutritionist, any one of those are, they chase the symptom of weight. A health coach gets to the root cause. That's my belief. Because that's my story. I, I started out like, oh, you're overweight, let's lose weight, it fixes the problem. You know, a triangle fits into a triangle. It all works, right? Yeah. So I didn't understand. And that's, again, the industry's doing the same thing I did at 20 right now. People are confused. They're realizing things aren't going right. People are starting to recognize what I've been saying for many years. You know, I've been talking about this stuff for 10 years, and everyone thought I was nuts, right? Yeah. It's nice to see the change a little bit, you know. But, but I guess what I'm getting at is, okay, you've got that set of people. Mm -hmm. Then you got another set of the population, which is growing rapidly right now in America. So if you look at a lot of the data on, on demographics, you'll find that people in the past were less stressed and ate a lot of food. Okay? And this is important because it, it, it all plays into what's going on now and what you're asking me. As we move rapidly into this Internet age, and it has happened to us very fast, okay, activity has plummeted. Okay. Stress has gone through the roof, and under eating has become prevalent. 
And in fact, when we do histories on people here, and these are most people that are looking for guidance because they're so busy, their lives are all over, they're stressed out, right? Yeah. Most of these people, if you do a food log on them, if you did a BMR and find out what their daily energy expenditure was, what their, to maximize their metabolism, what should they be eating, they've been eating their whole life significantly lower than that. That's been my experience. Now, if you did an average, yeah, they probably gorge themselves on the weekend. Mm-hmm. Or they overeat at night. But if you look at total caloric load midweek and all that, they go so long amounts of time without eating, and stress hormone is ever higher. And, and so this is particularly affecting women, right? And and there's reasons for that, and that's a, that may be a podcast for another day. But those particular women, when they were, you know, we're just seeing them grow this this generation kind of hit, you know, early 30s in the generation, you know, after them, you know, mid 20s are, are now, you know, here, like trying to get healthy from some of the things that they've done. And that's why you're seeing kind of this explosion, because you're seeing the first wave of human beings in America, or, or, or demographics in America, that are now under eating and overstressed. Mm-hmm. So when that happens and you've got that split, the people who tend to over under eat find fitness very early. Okay, they're drawn to it. Okay. So now they're applying a lot of physical stress to their body, and I'm particularly talking about women right now because. Men tend to eat a lot of food. They'll train. It's okay to be, you know, swollen and have muscle, and it's, yeah. there's room for it. Men have more glycogen stores. They can deal with, you know, varying degrees of stress and carbohydrate changes without gaining. Um, men can metabolize cortisol better than women because women have to use oxytocin to combat it. And today's day and age, oxytocin is the love hormone. Mm-hmm. The more you're stressed out, the less you make. So you're kind of at the whim of stress. So. What we did as an industry 15 years ago as we started to 17 or so maybe, we really got into the law of thermodynamics and how it works into the body. And, and, and we use you know, certain studies to say, okay, the goal is how deep can I go into caloric deficit? How fast can I get there? And how intense can I make things to rattle the body to create the change? Okay? Yeah. So when we started, again, like a medication, like a diet, when you apply a new stimulus to a population, it takes time to understand how it is going to affect that population. There have been plenty of, I guess we'll say, you know, uh, top advisors for like the National Institute of Health have come out and said many of times, like, you, you you don't know the net effect of a new chemical when exposed to the population for 30 years. Yeah. So you see, you, you see when I look at eight-week, 12-week, 16-week research, and someone's trying to tell me how to run my life, I laugh. <laughs> right? Yeah. That even though you sound intelligent citing research – Actually, when it comes to wisdom, that's a little short-sighted because my life will extend past 16 weeks. And what is after that for me? So this is what I'm saying. We, we doubled down on these concepts. And then you had a lot of people in fitness adopt these concepts and then tell women who are already under eating or stressed out or both how to live their lives. Okay? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, you started getting people who really only knew how to work out become uh, like, a, like I'm your guru. Like, I'll show you how to live your life. Because I find that most people, a lot of these people in fitness, they, they bought into something that was just nutrition. You shouldn't have bought into the rest of it. And so they live their lives consistently like that. And so then when you do anything to your body that's high stress, low calorie for a long time – you deplete the hell out of your body. 
It's not supposed to go through that. That's why there's seasons, you know? <laughs> yeah. Our, uh, you know, our bodies adapt. I've got a light on hitting me right now, this light. It's very bright. Okay. Yeah. Right? When I, when I turn this off and it's just a regular light in here, it's going to seem like low light because my eyes adapted to the light. If I shut the lights off right now, I'm not going to see anything, but in five minutes, I'll be able to see shapes. Adaption. Another great example of adaption is temperature. If I go down to Florida right now and it's 60 degrees, Floridians are going to wear jackets. I'm going to be in boxers. Adaption. All of our senses, all of our systems are designed to adapt to our environment and typically based on a seasonal aspect, 12 weeks. So again, research that goes 12 or 16 weeks does not tell me much because you're in one season. So what you, what you have now is a whole bunch of people that have been living stressed out, under eating, and then overeating it by binging, like binging episodes or eating large volumes of food. They bought into some kind of diet religion or, or training program and they don't ever change it. Like when you train, there's no off season, you know, you're, so what ends up happening is you crash everything, and that's what we're finding. Suppressed thyroid hormone. That's why everyone's getting hypothyroidism. It's not. That has nothing to do with, like, everyone's thyroids are just magically falling apart right now. Um, <laughs> hormone crashes. The rise in PCOS. The rise in autoimmune diseases. The rise of obesity. I would contend that the fitness industry is just as responsible as the fast food industry and the um, just the food industry in general. Because when you crash somebody's body, you eat a certain volume of muscle that they're not gonna get back because they're stressed out and their hormones didn't come back. Hormones dictate how much, if I put on a pound, how much of that's gonna be muscle, how much of that's gonna be fat, a big portion of it, um, on top of your diet strategy and your workout strategy. And so every time I, crash diet I actually come out of it worse so the average female in America will try to lose weight 14 times she will have successfully try to chase the symptom of weight for 40 years 40 years that's crazy that what that is that is not dieting that's going to war with yourself so think about the hours of cardio, working out in the gym, then, 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 then going 100 the other way and gaining fat and then going back, the chaos of it. It's chaos. And that's what we're finding. We're finding women's hormones are blown out, thyroid suppressed. You know, it's almost better if you just overate and didn't do anything until you got serious about it at 30 and then found the right health coach that will guide you appropriately into a nice sweet spot. But that's not what's happening. You either can't get in it at all or you're all the way in it and it's messed you up. Yeah, and like my story a bit, I've talked about it on previous episodes, but like I was all the way in like, cause I grew up as an athlete, right? Like playing hockey and soccer, training every day all through high school. And then when I stopped playing hockey, I was still training for soccer. But then I started weightlifting every day, uh, thinking like, oh, I'm doing good for myself. But then it wasn't until like the last year that I've realized because I've kind of come down from like the ad ongoing adrenaline rush. And like I had like binge eating issues before in the past and bulimia and all like a whole cascade of stress. And I didn't know the connection with overtraining. I didn't know, I didn't know like anything about hormones or anything until I went to the doctor and I got tests and he said I might have PCOS and stuff like that. But even he didn't know the connection between like overtraining. And then it was, that was how I found Nutrition Dynamic in the first place. So how have you seen women like train themselves into a form of PCOS? So let's, let's, let's uh, unpack this a little bit more simply because I have, I have a, I have a tendency to like speak in, in concepts that are very big and then someone who's listening is trying to collect all the pieces and put it together. And um, So whenever you apply a physical stressor in caloric deficit, 
The body was only designed to see that for short periods of time. If you go back to Paleolithic research, this was seasonal effect, right? So when it got cold, right? So the hunter and gatherer, the gatherer in the winter became a hunter, okay? Carbohydrates and caloric surpluses were not available because there wasn't as much availability to food. It had to be rationed more. You had to forage more. Okay, so cortisol goes up under under the, the, the cold, under the foraging, under the hunting, under the harsh environment. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then, but not too long, you, you know, over time, three to five months, then it starts warming up, availability comes. So our genetics predate our current lifestyle and our current technology. They are preset. Our book of DNA was written for a, a world we don't live in anymore. And people artificially induce your genes to express under duress because of the perceived stress that we carry today, right? So when you apply then a physical stressor and do not know how to use it appropriately, you use it as a weapon to force your body into things, whether it's something that builds your body up, you then leave your body in that stressed state, creating sympathetic dominance, which just means that the sympathetic fight or flight nervous system always stays on, which is why whenever you talk to someone who's a life or fitness person that's a female and his weight's pretty low, her mind is going, I mean, I've never met, you tell me you met one. You haven't. They're, they're awesome people. This is not knocking anyone. You just tell that their neurotransmitters, dopamine's very high, norepinephrine's high. They're going, they usually have some internal anxiety. They're usually, you know, it, it can be hard to focus. You know, there, there'd be a lot of things there, right? Yeah. Your, your, the, your body gets like that, not just because of genetic predisposition or some disease. It gets that way because of your lifestyle. So now you see that connection. So now I can explain PCOS. So PCOS, as you train too much and eat too little, particularly with disordered eating from a young age, um, if you are a woman who under duress have estrogen drop very low, then androgens okay will go very high so you're you're one of two people if you stress out eat like junk or then not or eat like junk or starve yourself or you know some form of bulimia or something yeah you're gonna go one or two ways you're gonna blow out your progesterone that's guaranteed you're not gonna have any of that then what hormone is gonna be high is it gonna be estrogen and you go estrogen dominant or is it going to be androgen dominant? Okay. Um, androgens like androstenedione, androsterone, etiocalanolone. Now those, you may not be as aware of those. You can test those through Dutch tests in case anyone's listening. But it's important to understand that because androgens is what <clears throat> creates a part of what creates the PCOS. Okay. So when you deplete estrogen all the way which is what happens when you train six days a week, five days a week, you're stressed out, you're under eating, and you stay there for a prolonged period of time, meaning probably over six months to a year. Mm -hmm. right? To yeah. give it a number. You don't have any hormones because what happens is cortisol, your adrenals get tired so that they can't produce cortisol. So they'll steal it from progesterone, the sex hormone that starts at the top that makes all the other hormones. So if you don't have any progesterone, because you're stealing it for cortisol, right? Also, high cortisol levels stop your body from converting cholesterol into hormones. That's where we get our sex hormones from cholesterol, okay? So stress, again, coming back to that, it's when stress is high, so now you don't have any progesterone. Then on down the line, they all start going away, okay? All the hormones down, because it goes pregnenolone, progesterone, androgens, testosterone, estrogen, okay? That's mm -hmm. like the cascade of how 
hormones are made, essentially. And so now, just like a woman in menopause, the only hormone you can make when you don't have any is androgens, like androstenedione and drosterone. The reason is, is because the adrenal glands induce it. The adrenal gland under stress makes something called DHEA. DHEA will give you energy, but if DHEA levels get too high, or it doesn't have to necessarily get too high, but they will pour into and make androstenedione. So now you don't have any other hormones but androgens. Okay. Those androgens will create, will induce dysglycemia. Okay. So sugars will go way up and down. Now, you could argue, because there's different kinds of PCOS, some people can get PCOS from overeating too because the blood sugars get off, you get insulin resistant, insulin goes up and down. That insulin creates too many androgens and pops cysts. Diabetes or prediabetes or dysglycemia can create PCOS. So that's that class of people who overeat and don't do anything, right? Yeah, yeah. But then the class we're kind of talking about now is the one that undereats and does everything. So those androgens get too high. Those androgens then uh, change the behavior of the ovarian cells, and then it triggers a cyst. And then after that, you start you start making you start every time you come in contact with insulin, you convert it and you make an androgen. So insulin stimulates the ovar uh, the ovaries to then make more androgens. Because a lot of times what's happening in PCOS is you don't have any estrogen and the estrogen actually modifies androgens. So it's a reverse feedback. So if you have no estrogens, your androgens are going up. So you need some estrogen to block the negative effects of the androgens. Androgens have good effects too, but so that's what's happening. So that's why female athletes in college and in high school and, and this, this idea amongst college coaches and high school coaches that more is more. No, it's not. No, it's not. And in fact, I could tell you a million different times where I've stopped somebody from working out insane, got them away from what they're doing, deloaded their body, had them do something else, and then I put them back into what they were doing, and they did their best ever every single time, whether it's a PR or race, strength, whatever. So I know more isn't more. But more, if you keep putting more pressure on somebody, you are going to cause an imbalance. And that's why we're seeing a whole slew of female athletes that, because now they're just upping the ante and people are more stressed and they're, they're training more, they're training longer. Seasons are starting earlier. There's more games, more, 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 more. So that's how someone could get PCOS as it pertains to probably the people that would follow this podcast. Again, there is the other form of PCOS that can occur. There can be a slight genetic predisposition. Um, you know, you can have um, things like Addison's disease or Cushing's that can lead to it. Um, so like a comorbidity. Um, but by and large, you know, you're, you get dysglycemic. You get uh, pre-diabetic. You're eating too much processed uh, goods mm -hmm. and you can create it from there too. Birth controls can create it as well. There's been some connection with birth controls. I don't think we want to break that all down today. Yeah, we could do that another day. But yeah, that is post pill PCOS. That's another one. Yeah. Yeah, post pill. So there's like five versions of PCOS. So I'm just trying to give you guys a visual. And what I'm really wanting you to get out of this and why I just gave you that long drawn out summation is that there really isn't much difference between the person who does nothing, sits on the couch and eats garbage. And the person that overtrains, undereats, and has sold some diet religion and training religion that they do every day of their life too aggressively. Now, there is a middle, of course. Yes, yeah. But we're looking at something that is universal. It's called a bell curve. Okay? Bell curve. You can have too little of something, you can have too much of something, and you can have something that's just right. Fitness, if done correctly, can be just right, which comes back to why the Martin, the industry of nutrition coaching will 
has birthed what was required, which is a health coach, right? It's birthed this new industry. And I think everything is going to go this way. I think if you're just a nutritionist, you're, I, I, unless you're in some niche, I don't see a future for you. So that's, you know, that's kind of my, you know, that's uh, as quick as I can be about PCOS and be accurate. No, but that that's great because it took me so, like years of like researching myself to try to understand that there's different types. And honestly, like most medical doctors don't know um, in like the traditional system, even like it might be a bit different in the States because I'm in Canada, but like I, some, I often feel like I know more than some of the practitioners that I've seen. And that's just been frustrating in of itself. Canada is in a really weird spot because they have, they're so close to us and, and a lot of the information is going across the border, but the practitioners, because the government kind of controls the rate of growth of the medical industry, yeah, right? You're really behind in a lot of areas. Yeah. And it's just not, uh, I, I, and then for them to get access to care, I just, my Canadian clients, we have a lot. So... Canada's problem is my profit, right? I don't like to say that, but it's true. So they're flooding to people like me in online coaching. And, you know, uh, as, a, as far as country goes and availability to access some of these functional things, Canada's kind of one of the worst countries that I've ever encountered. Uh, even Australia, Thailand is even better in certain ways. I mean, there's places that you would think shouldn't be forward yet um and they are so but this is going on everywhere i don't want me to be mean to canada no that's okay though because but there is like there is very like you have to dig to find anything about functional medicine like people don't even know what that is when i say so that's why i've been excited to record this podcast especially bringing some insights to pcos because i've connected with so many other women that have high androgens and like have got dutch dutch tests and aren't sure what to do and like there's no insight about it really anywhere so like i really was excited to talk about this that topic right there there's two reasons for that one there's a natural sexism in the fitness industry it is male dominated it's male programs any program that's trickled down to you as a female in fitness did not start with a female started with a male yeah and then they just learned how to condense it for a female those days are done, okay? No more of repackaging male workouts and passing them off on females or training females to teach it to other females. Now, listen, that can work for some, okay? I'm not saying that it can't, but for the, for the average female, not the 10%er that's got the genes for it and they're just going to be in it and they rest at home and they follow a meal plan and they live their life like that. That you can do that. If you rest enough and eat enough, you can train as much as you like and just like a man. Mm-hmm. But if you don't, do not do that. That doesn't mean you can't resistance train. I'm not saying that. But the paradigm has to change. So again, the industry is not, the fitness industry is not putting any time into thinking about female health and not even enough. This is a, I think a 90 to $115 billion industry. And it can't come together. To, they're, they're making research all the time. Where is this research on how it impacts women hormones? And how it's just not, it's not there. There's yeah. some, but I, I mean, it's not there. You can find out, you know, how much protein builds muscle, like pretty easy. There's a million pieces on that. And it's, oh, by the way, all done on males. In a healthy age, where, where, natu- where, where the stress and, and, some of these things haven't had a chance to work on them. And then the second problem is that you're not looking at the same demographic. When you look at research from um, disease and healthcare, those people are not the same population that's being tested in smaller portions in the fitness industry. You're looking at two different populations assessing values that aren't the same out don't they don't apply to the same algorithm the problem with that is you can't infer then okay you can't infer so the perfect example is when you're saying fitness induced androgen dominance pcos according to the medical community pcos happens because of pre-diabetes and some genetic exposure and, and that stuff and that's why it's happening 
but they're not they don't they're not testing people who are in the fitness community yeah they're not they're not included in it at all right at all okay so so that's why you know when no one would do the research i said forget it i'm gonna build a full functioning lab office here and i'm gonna show it to you so we've done thousands of labs here and so i've got so many case studies i'm not a researcher i'm not putting that together that's not my job my job is to watch the data change lives report to you what i see i'm not a researcher i'm a doer yeah okay because you got a lot of researchers out there trying to tell doers what to do i don't like that because any bit of data when you try to apply it to the algorithm of real life everything changes so i don't like that too much right but i've got we've got enough labs here now that i can tell you definitively these things are happening to women and considering that we're entering into a new era of where 50% of the population in 10 years will be obese and the medical system and the pharmaceutical system have no answers other than gastric bypass everything else that they've come up with has only made more problems made it worse you're going to have a whole that whole population of women I told you in the beginning that are inactive and don't want to eat very well that has never found fitness they're about to flirt with this industry in my opinion in the future the very near future the government health organizations are going to be looking to fitness for answers currently they don't really work together you've got doctors who write meds and but they're not working. They keep loading up meds. It's not helping the, the, the obesity rate. It's not helping biomass production in the United States. Um, and if, if the fitness industry continues to do what it always has done, it's going to be just as bad as the medical system. Yeah, it's like we know we know that it needs to come together. It's just like when and how, it hap- how it's going to happen. Like we have to wait and yeah. see. Well, that's why, you know, I founded Nutrition Dynamic. That's why I founded new ethics formulations to make products that protect women from this stuff happening. That's why I'm training all of these coaches. That's why we're putting out educational series. Um, because once you hear the truth once, you, you know what you're hearing. Um, and, and it seems to be very infectious because I think uh, hopefully Nutrition Dynamic is giving a voice to the little things that people have been picking up and couldn't put their finger on it. Like when I was a few years, like, I don't know, 10 years ago, I noticed women were getting bigger and bigger, even in in the gym. And I noticed, wait a minute, you've been training how long and you got a disease? How did you get Hashimoto's? Wait a minute, you got gut issues, but you've been, the the number, the the number one thing you changed was working out. Wait, you know, uh, and not just even in fitness. I mean, our environment, obviously, genetically modified foods, toxins in our environment, you know, unhealthy drinking water, you know, it goes on to those com- combination of issues too. Um, those impact people in fitness as well. Just because you're in fitness, you're not in a bubble, <laughs> right? But what I'm, what I, I guess what I'm getting at is um, these people uh, need to hear the message and it's very infectious. So again, when I was seeing all this stuff happening 10 years ago, I didn't know what I was looking at. Yeah, you're just picking up bits and pieces and trying to put the puzzle together. Right, and then when somebody who I think is much smarter than me resort points to an eight-week study done on Men. you know Men. someone in fitness or done on a big sample size, but of people who are medically ill or not your population, then you're getting misled. You think, oh, maybe what I think is not correct. No, you're seeing it. And so then when I bring it up and I bring it to light and Nutrition Dynamic, we make some of the stuff that we're making and somebody sees it or you make a podcast, they're going to go, I knew that. I saw it. You know what I mean? Like I saw something was wrong. People particularly like us that are in this field. Uh, And the women, unfortunately, that get this the worst, that are, are most misrepresented as ectomorphic females. 
Entomorphic females, even blood work, is not even, is the most different than any other human on the earth. And we're treating them based on research done on populations that are not them. Like um, every ectomorphic female that I have ever met in my life, yeah. the phenotype ectomorph, has been told they're hypothyroid. Mm-hmm. They're not hypothyroid. That's, that's how their body prefers it, to be a little bit less T3 because they don't need as much. They're extremely lean, they're extremely tiny, they don't need as much. That's they like really all the women on my mom's side of the family. Huh? That's like all the women on my mom's side of the family. My nan is on thyroid pills, but she's literally like 80 pounds. Why? Yeah, yeah I, why? I don't know. That's what what yeah. they're doing is, this is what I'm saying, people are not, it's really unfortunate how sometimes we can be so smart and so blind at the same I, I, it's baffling the, the research done on thyroid is done on large you know ectomorphic females only take up eight to nine percent of the population yeah so but still that's a large portion of females who can be readily that are very sensitive to changes you if you really want to understand them you need to do research on them and there isn't one bit nothing so they're applying population research on body types that were different than yours that operate at different levels and to try to compensate for that what the medical community does is they create a range but these ranges are getting so big right now it's ridiculous like a relevant range that you're not diseased well thanks but yeah tell me much yeah am i optimal am i healthy well you're in range Meaning, you're probably not diseased. Yet. <laughs> Depending yeah. on where you are. Well, wait until you are and yeah. they treat you. Yeah. That sounds like the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And that is all of them, I know. How the hell did you go to medical school and are okay with the fact, not that I don't love my doctors, there's amazing doctors out there, medicine is not bad, it is not the enemy, but medicine is not the oracle that's supposed to fix everything and that's your health and wellness advisor and that is your, you know, your, your guide to living your life successfully. Mm-hmm. Don't put that pressure on a doctor. Gosh, let them do just what they do, which is they, they provide, they are specialists in allopathic procedural or pharmaceutical approaches to treating acute conditions. That's what they are. That's what they should be for. Um, sometimes chronic conditions, but it's acute usually. It's not long-term, because long-term care management, you're back to chronic, and chronic, in my opinion, can't, you don't solve the medication long-term. Yeah, you just cover the symptoms, with, if you can even. Yeah. Um, oh, that, that's amazing. Like, everything we just, <laughs> there's so much to talk about. And then just like, so just bringing it back a step again, just back to the, yeah. the, the trained PCOS person. So... Or, or even if they train themselves into estrogen dominance, for, like either or, how does someone that is in that place now after like years of under eating and, or overtraining however long, how do they start to climb out of it? Okay, so I'm just going to give some basics. Start backing down your training a little bit. So I would typically start with the resistance training. It usually causes the most stress. The problem here is if your body's already imbalanced and your metabolism has now suppressed itself, okay? So your basal metabolic rate has reduced itself to its lowest functioning operating capacity in order to survive, survival, remember it thinks it's in winter, that has never left. So a lot of women are gonna gain a pound or two if they do it that way, probably maybe even more, right? Yeah. So the reality is anybody listening to me, if you've been doing this for a long time, I'm sorry, you need to work with a professional. Do not back yourself out of this on your own. You're probably going to get a lot of unwanted side effects because that's what happens to a lot of people that yo-yo diet. Yeah. Or even right. recovery from hypothalamic amenorrhea. A lot of the recommendation is just eat and do nothing. That's a terrible idea. That's the fastest way to unhappiness I've ever heard. You know what I mean? So it's like people just don't understand what they're saying. They just, they use words and they don't, they don't have, because they're not, in my opinion, they're not practitioners. They're usually researchers telling you this stuff or told someone else to tell you and they haven't really done it with anybody. That's why a health coach has such a unique position. I have walked somebody through every single step of the process. I know what they're feeling. I know what they're going through. It's real to me. 
I get it. So you can't just make statements. Mm -hmm. So again, that's why I'm kind of careful here, right? Like I can give some general advice, but I really recommend supervision at least 12 weeks. Yeah. Very long of like a dynamic health coach or a functional health coach that's out there, a functional practitioner to walk your way out of this, right? Because it gets a little tricky. Yeah. However, I've developed a supplement system to help you. So the idea would be back down your training by 30% in the first one to two weeks. While you're doing that, um, depending on where your calories at, start walking your fats up. Okay. Walk your fats up, you know, roughly 10 grams a week for those two weeks. Because if you raise carbs up, you might gain fat, fat too much. If you don't care about gaining a little bit of fat, then just raise your calories, whichever you want, like 100 a week. Okay? While you're doing that, it would be a good idea to support your thyroid to make sure that it takes on those calories and burns them. That's why I've already tr created a whole nutritional system designed for that specific person who's stuck in that position. So they take thyroid boost, right? That's why thyroid boost was created to get people an option to get out of caloric deficit and metabolic slowdown and overtraining syndrome and not have to pay for it in a lot of weight gain. Right? Awesome, yeah. Right, so that those are two steps. But the, most of these people, the number one thing they have to work on before any of that, to be honest with you, is stress management. Because they have now, the only way that they manage stress is by stressing their body out more. Mm -hmm. You see, the problem. And um, there's usually anxiety you know, so a counselor, a health coach, a mentor, walking through some of that stuff because your mind's got to be right to walk yourself out of that situation, or you're going to make a mess of it, or you're going to relapse and go back, or yeah, go back to what's comfortable when you have the yeah, unwanted right. side effects in the recovery. And believe me, this is not just for people that are like severe overtraining syndrome that is very obvious in the gym that they're starving themselves. I'm not talking about just someone who's got an eating disorder. It's obvious. This is probably about 25 to 30% of women in fitness. And even some of the principles that we talk about are affecting every one of them. It's just they might not be that far down the rabbit hole, right? Yeah. Um, but you start with that. And then as you, you need to increase your sleep by about an hour, hour and a half so your body can rest and recover. Adequate, you know, 80, 100 ounces of water a day. Sodium, for the love of God, do not be afraid of sodium. Put it in each meal, two shakes. You need the electrolytes to create osmosis, draw that water into the cell, um, and then uh, continue to back down cardio the next two weeks. Get get almost your all your cardio gone, except for maybe walking 10 or 15 minutes. Get back to a, aerobic strategies from anaerobic or from uh, burst or hit. <laughs> um, back down to and walking. Then, and then you got to keep raising your calories up. At this point, at week three or four, you can probably raise your carbs up 100 calories each week get your calories back to at least close to DEE daily energy expenditure a coach can tell you what that is for the average female that's going to be between anywhere between 16 to 2300 calories hang out for a while <laughs> when I mean a while I mean four to six weeks and then you can if you gained a little too much maybe cut it back for a minute clean a little bit of it up but that's how you walk yourself out. And while you're doing that, though, hormones are going to come back. Now, if you're an androgen-dominant female, you're really going to want to watch cortisol levels. So usually they're going to be too high, so you're going to use Cortis. We designed, designed that product to help metabolize cortisol. But if you're an estrogen-dominant, the reverse diet is the most treacherous because when you start going up, what do you think the first thing to go up is? Estrogen. Mm -hmm. Hormones, when you come out of a deficit, fill up like a, like a glass of sand at the bottom and then goes up. So if you go all estrogen and you don't have any other hormone, what do you think is going to happen to your hips? They're going to grow. blow up, right? Yeah. Have you noticed in the last 15 years how many women have just exploded in the hip? And I'm telling you right now, 90% of those women did not plan on that. That just happened to them, and it started happening to everybody because everybody was doing the same diet strategies. Also, there's other holistic things. There's other like chemicals, uh, you know, xenoestrogens and things like that. But it just happened to them. They didn't plan it. Yeah. And that's because after a diet process, you fed back up, did whatever you want, didn't plan for it. Estrogen skyrocketed, and then bam, when you were gaining some weight, it all went to your hips. The pear shape. 
But then what about the woman? I actually am asking this because I this is something I don't know yet. What about the woman that I guess this would be count as me that that didn't that isn't estrogen dominant? Like how does the estrogen start to come back on when you've done the resting and everything? Now that's the trick of eating disorders and all that other stuff. It does it, it, it can it, maybe not. It does it doesn't always turn back on. So your androgens will go up. Mm-hmm. But if the androgens go up and you don't make enough estrogen in time, then you'll pop six. Right? You you can create PCOS from that. But most women, they take it slow, should be fine. Yeah, androgen dominant we, women don't don't suffer the same consequences as estrogen dominant women when when in a refeed or a reverse. Mm-hmm. Because it goes into androgens, it doesn't go into estrogen, and androgens do what? Build muscle. Yeah. But usually, because androgens also increase metabolism, sometimes you don't gain it. You can't gain any weight anyway, the way you want. Yeah. Without eating extreme excess surplus calories right yeah and then i feel like part of the recovery from that too is also dealing with like um like breakouts and stuff like that from the androgens too the androgens yeah that's what that is androgens and bacteria and it got nothing to do with a greasy face (laughs) yeah everyone wants to blame oils it's oils no it's not oils because that means everybody in the mediterranean would have acne face yeah you're right Um, Again, you know, this is – industries spend billions of dollars to manipulate what you think is real. The fitness industry has done that very well, and they've created a money-making machine that has nothing to do with health, nothing to do with your long-term health, nothing to do with caring about, you know, your real happiness or what happens to you when you buy into this. It is a profit center, and they will take a new concept. You're going to see. It's going to throw a new concept down that same marketing pipe. It's the same marketing pipe for all these things. Yeah, like fat-free. Now it's all keto. It's like... system because the same people at the top – remember, at the top of any industry only exists so many people. Those people know each other, and they all run the same tactics. So we've been spoon-fed the same crap. Since Atkins. Since, well, I'll go back. Snackwell. What was it? They had the... I don't even know what that is. Huh? I don't even know what that is. Oh, God. I'm just showing my age right now. You go go back further. (laughs) We've been getting the same regurgitated system of lies. And it's all based on profit. But then people go to the fitness industry looking for a way to live. And that's what, I mean, excuse me, language pisses me off. You know what I mean? They didn't come to you to buy a VCR because if you sold them a, you know, an okay VCR, if it fell apart, no big deal. They came to you because they needed guidance and you misled them. And there's enough information today to know that we did that. Mm-hmm. I did that too as a personal trainer. We, we misled them. Mm-hmm. And then you won't pony up to it. You won't change anything. You're not focusing on women's health. It's still a sexist industry. I don't, it's going to sound like I hate the fitness industry. I hear myself and, and I imagine myself listening to me. I was like, this guy, <laughs> you know, he doesn't like fitness too much. He's got some bad feelings about it. I don't. I love the fitness industry. I love what it gave me. It gave me a way of life, of components to my way of life. It helped me build my process. It gave me something when I had nothing. I love fitness. But it's, it's turning into a weapon that's hurting people instead of something that's building people up and it has to stop yeah and I think you're like really a pioneer in this discussion which which I know is gonna grow because it's gonna have to since so many people are struggling and don't don't think they're doing anything wrong when they're doing like two a day workouts or like spinning every single day and then weightlifting every single day and wondering why they can't wake up in the morning like the discussion is just gonna grow so thank you for talking Yeah, absolutely. And I think what's going to happen with the word fitness is it's going to turn into like, again, mind, body and spirit, because as as a world that is confused about what the best way to live is, and as people continue to get sicker and sicker, which is happening, and as people begin to alienate or abandon the prior allopathic pharmaceutical procedural system, they're going to be looking for a new place to put their trust and their health. And that industry is health coaching. 
Yep, I can't wait for it to grow in Canada too. Be like, yes, this is. There is no other way for it to go, in my opinion. And 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 I and I want to give you an example, and some of your listeners will maybe understand this. But when I, I've been around long enough, <laughs> that I had hope prior the naturopathic industry. I was really hopeful. It looked like a real solution where medicine was going to blend, but it didn't. What happened was the medical system adopted in naturopaths, put them into certain types of training and then stuck them in a corner and they're very robotic. They're not very helpful. And it's really an industry that's let me down. Uh, and I was really, I, you know, after that, you know, when I really became a bigger face in health coaching, I said, I hope it doesn't happen to this industry too. Yeah, I hope not. And I definitely don't, I don't, it, it won't happen with Nutrition Dynamic because of how much you guys put into continuing education. I have had some bad experiences with naturopaths as well, I, but I have had a couple of good ones too. So I think it's like very individual, but I know what you mean by like the whole system with how it's so, set so up. When I talk about these things, yeah. Uh, there are always great practitioners. Yeah. What, as an industry. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, I totally get that. The industry was looking for acceptance. Mm -hmm. so the same thing happened to the osteopath. The osteopath, did you know, used to manually adjust? Did you know that? I did. I actually barely know about them because no, not that many people in Canada talk about them. Osteopathic medicine was bigger than allopathic medicine for a long time. And um, slowly all the boards became the same. They trained them the same. Dietitians had way more. The Dietetics Association has done a bang-up job, you know, promising all these people jobs, and then they're making $20 an hour but, bought, but paid for a medical education. Yeah. So then they, then they neuter their healing ability and stick them in the back of a corner of something and – you should start with nutrition. Yeah. So how would you suggest to someone whether, like, let's say they are trying to add more physical activity and wellness into their, their lives or they come from a very intense background, like, how would you tell or suggest people structure their their lives so it incorporates more rest and more parasympathetic? If I'm being completely honest, the first thing you do is find a mentor. You're not going to do it on your own successfully. Or if you are, you're going to suffer from first mover effect, and you don't want to go through that. Um, that mentor can be – there can be trainers and different things like that because you need to be held accountable to the things you don't want to do, period, end up, okay? If you want to become your best, you know, it's just like shout out Kobe Bryant, Mamba way of life, and you want to do it, you got to do it right. You got to do it to the best of your ability. You usually need someone to show you how to do that or someone to mimic or, you know, whatever. Um, so you can learn how to do that. But it starts with just some simple basics, you know, understanding that rest and eating comes before fitness, before training, right? Mindset comes before diet. You better train your mind, train your lifestyle, train your diet. And when you got those things in play, then you work out. Yeah, that's the reality of the situation, and the problem is, is that people have no lifestyle, they have no diet, right, and they just all they have is training. Yeah, like I know so so many people. I used to do this too. Like barely slept, like four or five hours, and then I try to wake up and go to the gym, work out fasted or something crazy. Right. Like it's just setting yourself up for before the horse, right? Yeah. So you realize fitness. It's the word fitness is synonymous with lifting. Not anymore. And that's why I'm trying to adopt those principles into health coaching. Health coaching is fitness. Yeah, fitness for life. It encompasses all of it. And I know in our training too, you've talked a lot about like, yeah, weightlifting is good and dandy and all that, but like again, back to lifestyle, but also just incorporating like more movement daily, like more walking, leisurely, leisurely being active. Uh, obviously, back to nutrition, including yoga, like all like How is stress. Walking, not fitness. It's because it's not sexy. <laughs> it doesn't seem different, you know. My yeah. coach told me to walk. What are you paying somebody for that? Because I don't do it if no one tells me. 
<laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> so true. You know, just, the, the, you know, we think we got to get all complex and for for the perceived value of a system. And what really people need more than anything is to surrender to somebody who's got their best interest in mind to show them how to live more effectively, efficiently, make them happier and healthier long-term. A component of that is the, the physical body and what it looks like and how it operates. And that's true. And that's built into that concept of a health coach. Yep. That was the um, best way I've awesome. ever heard you conclude something. Thank you so much. Thanks, I, Vince. I, I uh, hope I didn't just leave your uh, listeners more confused. Uh, if, if they're confused about anything, they can message either Nutrition Dynamic. I'll put them in the bottom or me. Okay. Um, yes. But I'm sure they'll, they won't be confused. That was great. Yeah, well, we're going to really highlight that in our new YouTube series coming up called Road Less Traveled. This is a passion project. Sometimes the words that come out of my mouth are very can be confusing to understand and conceptualize. So we've decided to, to change the paradigm again. We're going to tell the story through the sufferer's eyes, through the, through the person that's gone through the experience. And then you can see what fitness really is in the 21st century, in my opinion, or whatever, and, and, and really get an idea of what it would be like to change or alter your lifestyle in this new concept of fitness. So I love that. I can't wait. And look out for that on YouTube. Um, please follow us on Instagram, nutrition underscore dynamic, singular, not plural, or Vince underscore pitstick. I will link all of those in the bottom too so they can like Thank click you. them. Yeah, and I'm really excited to watch your upcoming YouTube series too. Yeah, yeah. And then we got a lot of content. If people want to understand more of what we got, they can go to nutritiondynamic.com. You know, we've got blogs up there. We've got videos on there as well. Awesome. Okay, thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Ashley. Okay, everyone. So there you have it. That's the end of the meeting with Vince. And that was amazing. I'm so excited for him to come back in the future for other topics. I know we did ramble a bit and go back and forth I think feeding off each other's passion kind of for this industry and healing and hormonal balance. And we also did talk in terms of using some complex language that if you're new to this research or don't understand what we're talking about, it can be a bit overwhelming. So please don't hesitate to message me um, at OneLoveAsh on Instagram, which I'll link in the bottom, or at Nutrition underscore Dynamic. If you are struggling with any health issues that you just haven't been able to figure out with the traditional medical system or you feel alone, uh, I really, really suggest reaching out to Nutrition Dynamic or me uh, as I'm doing some of the training with them right now and hoping to coach with them as a coach under them in the future. Uh, They've literally helped thousands of people with various health ailments all around the world and you can check out their social media and see some of the testimonials which is how I found them in the first place and they're incredible. Just to give some background they help you with a three-step process called flush feed and function. It sounds pretty catchy and underneath those headings is a lot of really thoughtful work that has went into helping heal all types of metabolic issues Um, long-term chronic illnesses, Hashimoto's, other thyroid diseases, like you name it, Nutrition Dynamics dealt with it and helped people come back to a life of joy and just thriving. And I'm so excited to be a part of the training that I've learned thus far. So if you're interested in reaching out to them, again, I'm going to link everything below and That's it for this week. I'm super looking forward to the future episodes. I have a surprise for the next episode, so stay tuned for that and take care, everyone. Thank you so much for listening.